first and inches. Our football team was like the kid that plays second French horn in the school band. We got to play better. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. He had shoulder surgery on his elbow. Shoulder, shoulder, shoulder surgery on his elbow. All the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. Well, first of all, what kind of mythical powers does a Sun Devil have? we got to consider that. The kids are playing their tail off, and the coaches are screwing it up. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. Down there, wide open's Gallon. They left him alone. Yeah, I don't know if anybody saw me trip on the way in. Did anybody see that? <laughs> a lesser athlete would have gone down. All right, welcome to the pilot episode of First and Inches. My name is Kevin Wise. I am joined by my co-host, Patrick Smith, and first episode special guest, Ryan Sibilia. We are sponsored by Milwaukee Tool, nothing but heavy duty. Welcome, uh, Patrick and Ryan. Hello. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me, Kev. Pat. We are admittedly... uh, three University of Michigan alumni, so you may hear a little bit of a Michigan lean on this podcast, but we'll try to address that and our bias as much as we possibly can. Uh, all right, Pat, I know you watched, and probably Ryan, every single snap of Michigan-Penn State. Huge win for us. What are your uh, overall thoughts here? Yeah, uh, definitely took in every snap of that game, and just about every snap, I would say, went Michigan's way. I can think of two plays in the game that didn't go, like, directly in Michigan's favor. And that was obviously the pick six at the tail end of the first half and the one long run by Clifford. But other than that, Michigan blew the doors off of them from start to finish. Yeah, I would say the exact same thing. I mean, Clifford also had that amazing throw down the sideline for 50 yards, right, where he just dropped it in the bucket. But – the one you get a blown assignment where the defensive end and the linebacker miscommunicated. They both take the running back. Clifford's off to the races. And then, yeah, I mean, J.J. had no business throwing that ball into quintuple coverage. But honestly, terrible play call. And when you're just running the ball down their throats on third and two like that, I was a little surprised that that's the route they went. Yeah, I mean, we're getting really nitpicky if we're finding oh, things to not like in this game because Michigan just got about everything they wanted. I think this, the real story is probably the run game. Obviously, you have number – what were they? Number five run defense in the country coming in. Yeah. Now they're number 56 because <laughs> Michigan laid 400-plus yards on them on the ground um, and did it just about any way they wanted it. I mean, everybody looked good on the ground, including J.J. Um, the offensive line was great. And Penn State honestly didn't have a chance in the game from the very beginning, even though Michigan tried to give them a little bit of daylight in the first half. Yeah, I think this this really almost looked like JV versus varsity. Um, I don't I don't think there was a position where Penn State was better of both, you know, eleven on defense, eleven on offense, or even uh special teams. So, you know, probably the biggest victory for Penn State today was the fact that there was one bigger football game that uh overshadowed it, honestly. 
Kevin, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I don't know if I've ever seen uh, a, a top 10 matchup where, I mean, it was just one team leaning on the other. I mean, the holes that the offensive line opened for Corum and Donovan Edwards, we could have ran through there. And we might, we might've got 20 yards. I don't, I don't, I've, I've never seen 300 pound guys move other 300 pound guys the way they did on Saturday. Yeah. And you know, we can argue about whether Penn state is that good or not this year, but they obviously have talent in terms of talented recruits on the offensive line and defensive line. So this isn't, you know, a huge talent margin here. I think this, I, I think this is a credit to Michigan, right? Everyone's yeah. been waiting for them to fall or not play well against a bigger school because of that weak non-com, which, guys, non-conferences are decided four or five years in advance. And we don't know what Colorado State, Hawaii is going to look like. Um, okay, they're not very good, but Michigan also dummied each of those teams. They did what they were supposed to. And now that they're playing well, it's what excuse? And this has been the entire narrative during the Harbaugh era, right? He wins a big game. Why is it not no longer a big game? I mean, you're talking about Penn State. They went and, okay, not your typical Auburn, but they put 40 points on the Plains. Like, that, this is a good team. Michigan is also a very good team. They're a top-up yep. team. I mean, this very easily could have been a 40-3 to three type of scoreboard game and look a lot different on the final score than it was. Uh, let's have a little fun here. Let's do a little drive chart read through for Michigan. See if you have any plays here for the punter, Brad Robbins, <laughs> field goal, field goal, touchdown, pick six, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, end of game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, complete, you know, domination. Honestly, the game reminded me of most this season besides the two small errors was that initial Georgia-Oregon um, game where well, at one point there was, you know, I think that was whatever, week one or week two, where they showed the the uh, the end of drive chart and it was just, you know, every single time it was a punt or a turnover for Oregon and, and every single time Georgia whooped them. And, you know, it turns out that Oregon's a pretty good team. I think Oregon and Penn State are kind of about the same caliber of team. They've got some pretty good guys on each side. They're at the upper end of their conference they won't win the conference most likely but they could sneak up and get some people but not you know not like really uh playoff contender teams i mean yeah there are pretty similar teams just like in that georgia game let's go through penn state's drives punt punt touchdown end of half field goal downs punt downs downs yeah nothing yeah so i guess for my major my major things um and we don't have an episode on this because we're just kind of starting off here. But I will admit, especially before the Indiana game, I was concerned that we were getting a little bit spoiled last year with Michigan's pass rush, obviously with Ajabo and Hutchinson losing those guys. Um, I kind of ate my words this weekend. Uh, you know, the, the pass rush has changed into it's more of a by committee, but a ton of depth, you know, Oki off the edge coming in. I think Jalen Harrell has – potential to be an all big 10 type of player last year he seems to be a guy who's getting better almost every week probably our best all-around pass rusher down to down is probably mike morris and then in the middle i thought mozzie smith made some pretty good plays i mean mozzie smith eats double teams like we eat sandwiches he's, he's amazing and then i mean i they, they, they play 12 guys on the defense on, on, on the d-line right like they're just able to rotate and constantly be fresh you're not going to get in a job or Hutchinson, they're going to play 60 downs 
and give you the potential for a three-sack game. That's just not what this team is going to do. But you're going to get max effort from 12 guys the entire time. And it's going to be really hard to sustain long drives. So as long as Michigan can honestly not kill themselves on defense, they're going to be in every single game, and they're going to have a chance to be wreckers in situational um, moments, right? In big moments where their their coordinator is going to call a blitz because it's probably how they're going to get home more 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 often than not. But they're going to be extremely stout against the run, and they're going to be a, a max effort type of team as far as that 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 D line is concerned. Yeah, I mean, and I think just close it out with one last shout out to Michigan defense. Rushing defense was incredible this game. I mean, you take away the one fluke Clifford run where even the camera guy couldn't figure out who had the ball. Um, and they rushed for like 36 yards. I mean, there were there were hot takes going into this week about how Singleton and Catron Allen were better than Corum and Edwards, right? Like Penn State folks, they're they have good running backs. And again, this is a testament to Michigan. This is not a knock on Penn State, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I'm I'm willing to throw the hot take out there. I don't even think it's that hot. Corman Edwards are the best running back duo in the country, and I don't think anybody else really comes close. I mean, I'll, I'll give Ohio State a little bit of some there with Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, but Meh. they've also had injuries with those two. Like they like Michigan, I mean, with with Edwards and Corum, it's they're amazing. I, I I think Corum is special. I think Donovan Edwards is elite. I think as he matures and grows in in this offense, what that kid is going to do, and, and the numbers he'll eventually put up when when he's the guy, I, I think is going to be. I mean, total tangent, boys, but he's going to be absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah Kevin I, and I have talked about that a lot. Yeah, it's it's the, funny. I I could not be a bigger Edwards fan. I I think just in terms of also looking at him like translationally towards the NFL and where the NFL is going right now. And he has such, he has that, I can't even tell you the game this year. He had that catch before he got hurt. Down oh, the, the Hawaii the, one. Right down the, the right sideline where he high, and I get Hawaii's not great competition, but I mean, he high pointed that ball. Like he was a outside wide out. I mean, that was, I was like, whoa, this he, so he's just got the size, the, the speed and the skills. And I think that there is also something too, you know, Edwards, I mean, uh, Coram has gotten a ton of carries, um, they're still young guys, but now you've got Edwards coming in with the, the fresh legs. I thought his burst um, multiple times when he got to the second level yesterday, he made some of those guys in the secondary look pretty foolish. So um, I, I think Edwards, yeah, is, is it's almost 1A, 1B. As good of a season as Quorum's having, Edwards is pretty legit. Yeah, I mean, Edwards comes off the bench and is ready to run through two guys. So, like, to be able to put him in a game after a couple of series is pretty incredible. I mean, he has to be an, an early dark horse type of guy for the Heisman next year just with the amount of carries so he's in store for next season. And right. I, also, I also want to compliment the two on, yes, they had massively long runs, right, where, you know, the Red Sea parted, but they had physical runs as well. I mean, Donovan Edwards took on a linebacker. I remember one point, I, you know, I was sitting like row 40, whatever, in the game. And, I mean, he it sounded like he took the guy's helmet off. I mean, he just ran right through him. So, I, I know there are lightning and lightning, but those two bring the pop as well. Yeah, and they both fall forward on almost every carry. Every single one. That Corum falls forward, but the dude just scrapes three, four yards out almost every time he starts to get hit. Yeah, I mean, they they have Edwards listed at, at 6'1", 204. I mean, he looks bigger than that to me out there. I don't know. He just looks like when he's got that ball, he looks – like he's got a ton of size. Maybe that's also, you know, Quorum's obviously a smaller but stouter guy. But yeah, they both look 
they just look solid bouncing off a bunch of those tackles. Okay. All right. We are we, we're Michigan we... homers. Should we talk about uh, <laughs> should we talk about Bama, Tennessee here? Let's talk about it first. Yeah, time, this game was unreal. First time in fifteen years that Tennessee wins and it was worth every dang second. Every second. Guys, I've been singing Rocky Top like in my head. I don't I don't know why I haven't heard that song um is as much, you know, over the past forty eight hours. Probably the last fifteen years, right, Pat? Like I don't know. That that game, that atmosphere, the way they rushed the field. We were we were there when Michigan rushed the field versus Ohio State. That that seemed like, and that was Pam Bamasi. This was even more. That was no, that was the this, this this was crazy, man. I just kind of wish I was a Tennessee fan. Like I kind of am a little bit of one right now. Like it, it was I think I am to too. It's it's hard to watch the 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 video after any of that and not um you know not get not get some goosebumps, not be pretty excited for any Tennessee fan or especially anyone, you know, attending the university of Tennessee right now. The, the only, I mean, like everything start to finish was amazing. The fireworks rush the field, rip down the goalposts, throw them in the river. The only knock I'll give Tennessee before we start talking about the actual game is, did you guys see that they had to start a, they started a, like a GoFundMe go <laughs> for the goalposts that they tore down because now they got to pay the fine and the new post, like, if there was ever a time to just shut up and have the billionaires fork over the money, like, come on, guys. Guys, Tennessee football is like a billion-dollar program. I think I saw something that they were like $1.08 billion, right, is like what they're worth. And they're starting a GoFundMe to raise $100,000 for a fine in the goalposts. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, shut up. The uh, <laughs> I, Like, I remember, like, I can remember, like, three years ago, tweeting funny pictures of the Tennessee trash cans on the sideline because their program was so trash. Like, you just beat Bama, enjoy it. Like, stop trying to nickel and dime the fans. After your yeah. president said they would do it every single year, which was maybe the funnier <laughs> part. Like, you know, Buddy had the cigar in his mouth and goes, we'll do this every year. I mean, <laughs> just to start to go fun me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I did love that video, though. I can't. That, that was uh, college football uh, in a nutshell to me. So I did. I enjoyed that, that video of the president. But I, I, right, I think we need talk. to talk about the, that, that Tennessee offense. I mean, those – I was very impressed with their O-line holding up against those two defensive ends. And then, I mean, Hyatt, Brew McCoy, they got some ballers on the outside. And, yeah, Hendon Hooker's a 24-year-old college quarterback, but Buddy can sling it. Oh, I mean, we would be remiss to not just read off Hyatt's stat line, which is absolutely absurd. He goes six catches, five of them are touchdowns, Long of 78 yards, averages 34 and a half yards a catch for 207 yards. So they're just that's video game numbers that I used to put up on like NCAA 2009 with my create a dude wide receiver, <laughs> Smith, and is like six seven. I mean, he 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 basically upstaged Randy Moss. His you know, his three three catches, three touchdowns, 180 yards, whatever it was. I mean, that was un- unreal. But Hendon Hooker puts on a show. Like, yeah, it, puts on an absolute show out there. I mean, Argue, we can talk Heisman when we want to later, but yeah. like puts his name right up there at the top on the biggest stage. Probably like gotta be. We'll go down as one of the games of the year, if not the game of the year already. Just a massive win. Yeah, there's there's two Big Ten schools that are going to play after Thanksgiving that hopefully give that a run for money. But uh, from an offense versus defense perspective, Josh Heupel took Nick Saban to school. I mean, he had guys running wide open that entire game, it seemed. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we're talking about injuries, and probably when you say injury with this game, most people were thinking about Bryce Young and the shoulder. Shoulder looked okay to me. I thought Bryce Young actually had a great game as well. He just came up short. I mean, Tennessee just had so many. It, they had an answer for everything, it seemed like. And But, again, when we talk about the Tennessee wide receivers, I think we should remember Cedric Tillman is still not playing. I haven't heard anyone talk about this. I think it's just such a good point. We look at Jalen Hyatt, who right, who had an amazing game, uh, deserves all the credit. Last year, Hyatt had 21 catches for 226 yards, two touchdowns for the year. For the year. That's wow. what he had the entire year last year. Cedric Tillman, their best wide receiver, who they didn't even have this game, had 64 grabs, almost 1,100 yards, and 12 touchdowns last year. Didn't even play. Now, they obviously have Brew McCoy, big five-star recruit coming out of, you know, modern day in California, um, had a very weird early college with all of the USC, te- Texas transfer saga business. But um, they did this without their best wide receiver. So, I mean, I don't know what his exact injury is or what, you know, when he's expected to return. But, yeah, I mean, Hennon Hooker and Josh Heupel. I mean, there could not be a hotter name right now than Josh Heupel, I think. All right, Kev, let me hear your take on this. This is one of those weird seasons again where we're seven games in and we kind of don't know how good Bama is. Like It's the same as last year. It feels the exact same. We've done this the last two or three seasons where we do the, you know, Bama doesn't look like the old Bama this year and they either have a couple close games like they did against A&M or they have a game like this where they eventually lose for the first time in like three seasons. And again, I kind of find myself not knowing how good Alabama is this year. Yeah, so I think that's that's one of the big questions. First of all, let's recognize that this is a good, this is at least a very good to great Tennessee team. I think they are one of the, the, the five or six best teams in the country at worst for sure, after this game. I mean, they have beat, like, three or four ranked teams. I personally, if you're ranking teams based on record right now, I think Tennessee's probably the best. They probably have the best on-paper record, who they've beaten, how they've done it. Now, it did take, if we look really closely at the game, you know, I mean, when I was watching, I thought when 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 uh, Bryce Young was driving down the field with like 30 seconds left when they were about to go hit that field goal. I'm like, I've seen this. I've seen this story. You know, good team has Bam on the ropes and they escape. Now it happened that he missed the field goal. Tennessee makes a couple great plays, which I did not think were fluky. They were within character for that team. They come out and they win it. So all credit, you know, all credit to them. Um, but I mean, it was still Bama on the road, close game, could have got the job done. Um, so that's the question to me is there's still definitely a scenario in which, you know, Bama beats Bama, uh, you know, Bama wins the West and then, um, you know, Tennessee beats, there's a round Robin scenario here. I forget exactly what it is, but where they all come out with one loss. Oh yeah. I mean, it's very easy. Tennessee, Tennessee plays um, Georgia, Tennessee loses to Georgia. They play Georgia at home later this season. Uh, that would put Georgia into the SEC championship game against Alabama where Alabama could take Georgia. And then you have the three-way where Alabama is the SEC champion. They probably go to the playoffs at a one loss. And then you have to choose between Georgia and Tennessee. Tennessee has 
uh, would lose the head-to-head there to Georgia, and Tennessee would probably be locked out. That game against Georgia that they that they play later this season is going to be huge. So, so guys, let me we're still we're still. I mean, Ole Miss is still in, in the driver's seat in the SEC West too. In what yeah. Jackson Dart is doing, uh, Ole Miss. I'm just throwing that never, one out there. Ole Miss will never be in the driver's seat of the SEC West until they prove it. Fact. Okay. But but in the standings, they are 7-0, and they've won pretty convincingly every single week. Granted, they probably had the easiest of the schedules so far in the SC West, but they still control their own destiny. And, I mean, guys, the, the lane train is moving, right? Like what he's doing with that offense, Jackson Dart. I mean, I know we're going to talk Heisman. That's another, that's another guy putting them in insane numbers. There, there's four really, good SEC te- four really good SEC teams, and then I think you kind of have a hodgepodge. All right, Ryan, let's put you on the spot then. Uh, you're talking Ole Miss. You got to look at November 12th hosting Alabama. Are you saying yep. Ole Miss is going to win that game and go to the SEC championship? No, no. Alabama is going to beat them, but but the college football fan in me wants Ole Miss to win, and I tell you what, that atmosphere is going to be insane. Um, every single person in the state of Mississippi is going to be – in Oxford, it's, it's going to be insane. But I, I, I think Alabama will probably take care of business. And, again, this this whole thing every single year, Alabama loses a close game on the road. Uh, this is the same thing of, of Texas A&M last year, right? Uh, a little field goal at the end of time. And Alabama's going to do Alabama things. They'll still be an SC title game. They'll still control their own destiny. You know, I mean, it's, it's Nick Saban in Alabama. So that's, that's, my, that's my question um, because th- this does have the feeling to me of a – because here's what Alabama does. It's the Bama bias, right? They drop down to six. Yep. I don't think that's terribly off, but they're always going to be the highest rated one loss team, right? And they're just lurking there waiting. You know, if they win out, they'll still go to the playoff. Here, I'll, let me ask you to this without looking it up. Alabama, including this, including this season, Nick Saban's been there for 16 years. He's coached 15 complete seasons there. How many of those 15 complete seasons do you think he actually finished undefeated? Three. Two? Two. So, you know, he won those. So he, But he's won five titles. So the majority of the time when he wins a title, he still drops a game, you know. Now, usually I think that's in the regular season. There was one time. Did, did Georgia get them once in the SEC title and then Alabama still made it to the playoff and beat them? I can't remember. Yeah, I think that was the two a year, right? When two or three, uh, when they played in the, in the right, title game. Right, So point being, it's not we, – we have this – you know, they have been this – this the consistency is amazing, but – they're not, they're not going undefeated that often. I mean, they've done it twice in 15 – well, now we know twice in 16 years. Both those times they won the national title. But the other times they won it, they, they win with a loss. So um, we'll see what happens. It's going to be this Bama bias, and people are going to then look back and say – and they barely lost the game, which is true. They were right in it. They definitely didn't get blown out. At the same time, they could have lost to Texas. They could have lost to Texas A&M. You know, they have not, to me, looked like one of the five best teams in the country so far. I agree, but for a moment I'll put on my Roll Tide hat and just, I mean, they went on the road to a Tennessee team that I think we all think is really good. Yes. They're 15 seconds left. They missed a field goal for the win. Agreed. Uh, end up giving Tennessee just enough time to get in field goal range and knock one through. So, Agreed. like, this was not a big loss. They were, you know, a, a blow of the wind away from being 7-0. and 
and, you know, still having a game to spare to make the playoff. Agreed. Okay. So, I mean, I, you know, we will, we will see. Now, I guess the, on the um, other side of the coin, we look at Tennessee. What do we really think? Let's – here's the easy way to do this. We got to look who does Tennessee have here in terms of their schedule because they've still got they've still got some big boys. Their schedule coming up, so they play Kentucky. Um, they've got, you know, their stand-in by of UT Martin this week. Uh, they play Kentucky the following week. They get Kentucky at home. Kentucky is kind of limping through the season with injuries. Yeah, they're that, game, that game doesn't look as big as it once did. Then they go on the road to Georgia. That'll be the game that pretty much decides everything on that side of the conference. Um, if Tennessee loses, man, it's a tough road for them to get into the playoffs. They'll be lurking there with one loss. but And then, I mean, they'll have one of the better resumes in the country, but there's going to be a lot of teams that could be lurking there. Yeah, and then, uh, and then they, the, the end of the season looks pretty good for them. They host Missouri, go on the road to South Carolina, and then go on the road to Vanderbilt. The SEC West is no juggernaut of a schedule. So, I mean, I would say one game where they will not, you know, one game they'll be an underdog. I'm oh, sorry, the East. Yeah, they'll be they'll be an underdog at Georgia, obviously. Um, and then you know they'll be favored against Kentucky, and I think I think Kentucky is just like a you know a little above average SEC team. You know, college football teams are always able to have a little bit of a clunker a decent favorite against Kentucky for sure yeah I bet they opened up like a two touchdown favorite I, if that game was in Lexington I might feel a little bit differently but um, I don't know something feels a little different about this Tennessee team I, I think they're gonna roll um, against Kentucky I think when they play Georgia that's just gonna be an absolute slugfest like get your popcorn right it's gonna be amazing um, winner of that you know they're probably gonna play Bama and then, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. This this conversation right here, guys, is why I'm very excited for this college football expansion. Yeah, I, I need a little there, more. There are a lot of good teams this year. That Kentucky game, I'm just realizing, is about going to be as big of a look-ahead spot there ever is with yep. that Georgia game next week. So that is a little bit of a scary one for Tennessee. Yeah, I just think that, that has that's, these are the only ones that have potential left. I really don't think – I mean, you never know um, – when you're in a big conference, road games are always a challenge. As Michigan fans, we know that better than anyone. You know what I mean? At Iowa. Like, that's all I have to say. At Wisconsin. Yeah, in for our, sure. Yeah, in our, you know, in our life of fandom here. Um, so, I wouldn't count out necessarily at South Carolina either. You just got to be careful. That's a little bit of a don't slip up. But we'll see. It's, you know, Tennessee, Georgia. That'll be the – that'll be big time. I would say as Michigan fans, we are now pretty big Tennessee fans. We're big Tennessee fans. At least through that first week in November, because if they beat Georgia, I think that squarely puts Georgia on the wrong side of the conversations because Georgia's not going to have a good win. Okay, well, let me ask you. Right right now, would you rather play Tennessee or Georgia? Neutral site. Georgia. Tennessee for me. That I think I think that Georgia defense can just be absolutely smothering. I don't know if Tennessee has that defensive prowess yet. Okay, I don't know, but I don't know, I don't know if I want to play either of them. They're both really good. That, that's the thing. I mean, yeah. that, that's why it's just going to be exciting to see where this all plays out. But hey, guys, I kind of want to jack your podcast. I want to do a little rapid fire here of, of the games that were played on Saturday. And Go for it. I'm going to give you the 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 game who won, it, and I kind of just want a, a quick thought from each of you. You ready? Yeah. All right. 
Georgia 55, Vanderbilt zero. Quick hitters. Expected. Yeah, they did their job. All right. Uh, number four, Clemson 34 at Florida State. They won 34-28. I think um, I think Florida State's a pretty good team. Um, part of that is because I also think LSU is pretty good. I think both of those teams kind of got written off this year. Um I look at both of those teams as checking the box for talent. You know, they've got good guys on both sides of the ball. They can probably make some noise. Florida State has been has had some good wins. Travis Scott, I mean, um, Travis Scott, Jordan Travis is uh, playing pretty well. And that, that wide receiver, Johnny Wilson, I think his name is, the 6'7 guy, is just a monster. Um, so, good win for Clemson. Um, I think Florida State's pretty good. Okay, the the next two are probably ones that we should circle back on, but no, you gotta let me talk about Clemson, bro. Clemson oh, my bad, my, my bad. Lock. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clemson was my lock. They made it a little scary. Florida State looks pretty good. I agree with Kevin. Um, big win for Clemson. I mean, Clemson has everything in front of them now. Seven and zero in the ACC is a really nice spot to be sitting right now. They kind of have the clearest path of any team, I would say, to the playoff. Um, I don't think Clemson is elite this year like they were some years in the past, but they're starting to get it together. DJ looks a little bit better at quarterback. They're starting to use him a little more like he seems comfortable to be used, I would say. So Clemson's looking pretty good. I agree with Kev, though. I think Florida State's a lot better than their record. All right, perfect. I love that. And I want to circle back on these next two, but quick hitter thoughts. SC blows it late to Utah, uh, 43-42. U.S. Uh, USC still has a chance. Defense is suspect at best. Yeah, this game was a really fun one to watch. I'm not sure I learned a lot about either team while I was watching it. Um, I'm still not really sure how good either team is. USC is prone to these stretches where they just like don't produce on offense, and I don't fully understand it. They kind of just go into a little shell and run basic offense, and they don't get much out of it. And then eventually they put it back together and look and show the talent that they have on the roster. Utah, not like man, Cam Rising had a day. Like that dude's a dog. Um, Absolutely, he finished out that game in just like classic college star fashion, just putting the team on his back on the way to a win. Utah looks a little bit better than they usually do. They usually produce these wins where they just kind of churn you to death, and it's not all that exciting. And they, you know, they're. Longest play is like 30 yards. They did a little bit better this game. They still are not a very explosive offense, but they put up points. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think we do need to talk a little bit more about that one. Another one, uh, I kind of wish I would have watched. Barely got to see anything outside of highlights. Uh, Number 13, TCU, takes out number eight, Oklahoma State, 43-40. I mean, guys, Sonny Dykes got the boys in Fort Worth playing really well. And Max Duggan, who was a write-off at Ohio State, I mean, he's just – He's doing everything and anything for him. Yeah, my thoughts here. Um, most of what I watched, admittedly, for TCU was actually against Kansas um, last week. I think TCU, to me, has the recipe for a team that that is – I don't think they have the talent to match up yet with those upper echelon big boys just on, just on the lines. Um, however, when you have the combination of good offensive mind coach, quarterback playing well who has enough mobility – and then if you don't know who Quentin Johnston is from TCU, yeah. Oh, yeah. if you like NFL football, you should pay attention because this is a guy who will be playing on Sundays for a long time. He is a stud. I yeah. mean, he should, he should, he'll probably, uh, he's got to be up there for the Blitnikoff this year. 
Yeah, he's he's definitely a dog at wideout, no doubt about it. Um, Ole Miss takes care of business against Auburn, but they had a pretty brutal second quarter. Not many people give up 17 points to Auburn in a single quarter this year. That because that team, there that's rough. It's pretty rough on the plains right now. Pat, I wouldn't say this was Ole Miss's best performance. I caught most of mostly first half in this game on screen number two. Um, but they didn't look great. Um, they kind of just let Auburn hang around most of the game. Um, really, thanks to that second quarter, like you said. Um, I, I feel like Ole Miss kind of t- has a tendency to play down to their competition a little bit, and they get up a little bit more for big games. So, I don't know. I don't really make a ton out of it. Ole Miss is still going to you know, have as much noise to their matchups down the stretch this season. I don't really peg them as a playoff team just yet, but they look pretty good. Uh, you know, um, Tennessee showed us a team with an explosive offense in the in the right scenario can get Bama. I wouldn't necessarily favor Old Miss yet, but I do kind of agree, Ryan, with what you're talking about, that um, I think they've got enough to make noise. Absolutely. Speaking of making noise, I mean, no one goes into the old Carrier Dome, don't even know what it's called anymore, and beat Syracuse. They're still undefeated, guys. They just took out NC State at home with a pretty dominating performance, only giving up three field goals to the Wolfpack. Yeah, and this game, this one took me by surprise. NC State is a better team than most people think, especially in the trenches. Defensive line and offensive line on NC State both move people. And it's hard to blow out a team like that in this fashion in a primetime game. This game was at night, right? Afternoon or night. Um, but regardless, like NC State did nothing. And obviously we need to talk about the fact that NC State didn't have their quarterback. Um, he was out. Um, so the offense really, really looked stagnant all game. But when you have the type of – bodies that NC State has up front only being able to put up nine points Syracuse's defense is for real yeah it's you know I think it's really unfortunate that NC you know then he's out for the season Devin Leary is Um, tough you just don't when you're a program like NC State that needs to develop players and build on things and you hit on having a, a quarterback and a defense like this in the same year you know how often does NC State have the preseason ACC Player of the Year? I, I don't know. I don't have that statistic in front of me, but it can't be very often. And to have yeah. go down for the majority of the season is just tough. Yeah, NC State came into the season about as high as they ever have. I'm sure it's one of the highest AP rankings they've ever had in their history. Um, coming off of you know a really close season to a lot of success last year, a couple close games decided – um, their season, but they were right there in it with everything to play for last year. And then coming into this year, had a, a lot of chance to compete for the ACC in what seemed to be a year where Clemson might not be as dynamic as they always are. And yeah, that injury hurts a lot. A ton. Well, we'll stick with the color orange because, uh, boys, the Big Ten West runs through Champaign, Illinois. Pretty crazy. Uh, they beat Minnesota 26 14. Um, and, you know, they're going to be top 20 team here pretty soon. Yeah. So the, I mean, the AP poll came out today. I think they're 18. Oh, did they jump? Okay, I hadn't um, focused that much on them yet. Which, uh, you know, is probably appropriate. Um, my, my first takeaway from this one, you know, in the beginning of the year, rightfully so, I think we heard a lot of talk about Lance Leipold out of Kansas doing an amazing job. Um, 
Illinois is not a powerhouse, but Kansas has been a, a bottom, you know, bottom feeder kind of forever in, you know, the entire FBS ranks. But I mean, Illinois six and one driver's seat. To, I mean, if they play in the big 10 title game this year, Brett Bielema has to be right there for national coach of the year. Absolutely. Big 10 coach of the year. I don't even know who I, doesn't, no one's even close, but I, I mean, the job he's doing with Illinois, because it's not just chase Brown at running back. I think he does lead the FBS in yards. However, um, that defense is legit. Legit. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say right now you can get Brett Bielema, the Big Ten Coach of the Year. Well, I don't care where they finish. What he's done uh, with that team to have them in the top 20 is, is unbelievable. Um, and we'll stick with the third orange team in a row. Texas gets Quinn Ewers back, and they win 24-11 over uh, the fighting Matt Soup Campbells of Iowa State. This was uh, – I didn't get to watch much of this game. I saw highlights. I mean, this is just a really good spot for a win for Texas. This is a huge letdown spot after that dominant victory against Oklahoma last week. Um, Iowa State is always a well-coached team. They're not a very dynamic team, but they're a tough team to beat, and I think being able to squeak by with the win is, a, it, it, you know, doesn't move the, the metrics much, but that's a nice win for Texas. Where was that growth win? It it, it was in Texas. It was in Austin. But Matt Campbell pulls off upsets in the Big 12. It's what he does. This is kind of where you would have thought that was coming, Pat. You kind of hit the nail on the head there, right? This was the ultimate letdown game. Could have been. Like, this is Texas' story every year. Every year. They come in, they get an emotional victory, and then they drop a game to nobody. Um, So, you know, Texas is is doing what they should, I guess. I think – I, I will say this. The one thing it does tell me, though, is um, Quinn Ewers, amazing versus Alabama in the beginning. No doubt about it. We see why he was the recruiting um, the statistics and all of that, why he was ranked so highly. Um, I do, think, you know, but then he comes back and, and they, they beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma didn't have Dylan Gabriel, new coach, a lot of things going on. I would, there was talk of, the, you know, they'll make the playoff with two losses. They're not there yet. This is not, this is not a, this Texas team is not playing with the top four or five teams in the country. No, I, I agree. I agree. And then we'll, this is my, this is my last one again, guys. Thanks for letting me kind of jack the show here a little bit. Um, James Madison, their brief stint in the top 25 over after they gave up 578 yards passing to Kyle Van Treese and Georgia Southern. All I have to say about that game is if you found time in your day, on Saturday with the slate of games we had to tune into the James Madison brief appearance in the top 25, man, you are a better degenerate than I. Hey, I like watching ping pongs, you know, <laughs> go back and forth on my TV screen. Cause that's, that's what that was. I, no, I didn't, I didn't watch the game. I did watch about a, a five minute, you know, highlight of it. I mean, that, that thing was action packed, uh, you know, impressive for James Madison. I, I think, what they've done, it's kind of like an Appalachian State growth, right? We've we all heard of App State, and then they went, you know, then they went FBS. We've all heard of James Madison, they go FBS. But um, Georgia Southern, man, I think Clay Helton's about to get himself another job. At this, yeah, at this year. yeah, just gonna yeah. throw that one out there. Yeah, I think that you know that plus the Nebraska win, right? Those are probably the two big Georgia Southern victories this year that you look at. And you're like, okay, yeah. you know, yeah. probably did probably did enough to. Uh, you know, give himself a second look. We got like those are the games you got to win if you're trying to move up the coaching ladder. You got to get those splash games against teams with names, um, and their team looks pretty good. I mean, that's a pretty good resume. 
Yeah. Um, I got one more, though, that we definitely have to talk about a little bit here. Notre Dame. We cannot – we cannot um, – full disclosure, Pat and I, both, <laughs> both, of our, uh, both of our fathers are Notre Dame alumni. Sorry, Dad. Um, can't – sorry. Can't, can't let you get away with this. This – I mean, so – People who don't watch, you know, I don't watch a ton of Pac-12, but I know I watch enough Pac-12 to know that Stanford is awful. I mean, they are. This was this f- is not your late 2018, 19 Stanford. This Stanford is awful. I'm, so this is this is a you know, this is Stanford's first win against an FBS opponent in over a year, and it comes in South Bend. I mean, yeah, th- this I, I one. Think- I think an argument can be made about people who really watch college football that this is worse than the Marshall loss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's right up there. So Notre Dame now through the season has lost to two teams who have only one FBS victory, of which that is Notre Dame. And now that is Marshall and Stanford. This is a tough start to the season. And, and I'll tell you, I was, you know – reeling from a couple lost bets on Saturday coming into the afternoon evening window. And I was like, I need a winner here. Notre Dame can't be that bad again. Can they? And they did. It was miserable. It was awful. I felt terrible about the bet from the very beginning. They have no life on either side of the ball. They let Stanford do like whatever they wanted in key plays on third downs and Stanford is bad. Stanford does not have life on either side of the ball, and they looked like the better team the whole game. Um, Marcus the, Freeman is a good-looking guy, though. I was just about to say, the best thing about Notre Dame is his hairline. But other than that, man, that, that is so brutal. I mean, it's it's kind of laughable from, you know, where, where I'm sitting as, as a Michigan fan who, you know, as, as you boys know, when we always play them, they're always close games. We never seem to win in South Bend just to kind of see the – tough times they've fallen on is, is a little bit enjoyable but to even bring how bad Notre Dame is into full perspective remember you guys remember when Cal gave them everything they could possibly handle yes Cal lost yes. to freaking Colorado this weekend Colorado had yet to win a game they'd yet to be close in a game yeah, yeah. that would yeah. be rushing the field Colorado for a first win when no one expected it Colorado oh I forgot so, the fans rushed the field didn't they? that is <laughs> unbelievable so so, Pat, I know we've talked about this earlier in the year, and we've gone back and forth. Does Notre Dame go to a bowl game this year? Does Notre Dame go to a bowl game this year? I mean, we're going to have to pull up the schedule. I've got the because, schedule. Ready? Okay, read, read them, them off. Today. So, next, Notre Dame sits where? What is Notre Dame? Three and three. Three and three. They need three, three more wins. They need three more wins, and they'll definitely be one of the teams at six wins who gets a bowl. They could get to a bowl at five, maybe. Go ahead. All right. Let's assume six, just to yeah. make it more interesting. Home against UNLV next week. Dub. That's a win. I, I think so, too. UNLV is better than Stanford, but I think that's a win. That's a win. At Syracuse. That's a loss. loss. A big loss. Yeah. Home against Clemson. Big that's loss. loss. At Navy. Man, that triple option. I mean, nobody <laughs> likes to play the triple option, but that's a win. That's a pick I, I agree. That's like a pick em. I, I just... uh, Navy is not the best service academy this year. And I think that tells you enough to know that should be a dub. Should be. I just I think the road element, you know what I mean, at Navy. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it to you. Notre Dame doesn't 
have a lot. You know, you can't say Notre Dame could beat a lot of teams confidently this year. That'll yeah. be a toss-up. Um, Boston College at home. Win. Probably Ooh. yes. Pro- probably, but but that's not a guaranteed. Yeah, guys, so I, I didn't watch any any BC this year. Do they still have that quarterback, Phil? Uh, what's his last yep. name? Notre Notre Dame transfer. He is oh, Notre Dame transfer. All right, I'm just I'm gonna say that's a loss. I'm okay. gonna say Boston College. I'm gonna say they they rallied. I mean, that's gonna be their Super Bowl. Oh yeah, and so that puts us at we're, we're flirting in the. We're flirting. And a half to six and a half range. We're flirting. And then, they, then they're at Southern Cal. And Southern and Cal's going to have something to play for. That's a loss. That's a loss. Yeah. So we have three losses on the schedule for sure. For with sure. Clemson, USC, and Syracuse. Syracuse. And then Notre Dame has to sweep Navy, Boston College, um, and UNLV. UNLV for a bowl. Do- that- doable. But I cannot believe this team is could is, is gonna on the good side go six and six. It's a coin yeah. flip. I would call it a coin flip. And I think we all agree they're not winning any of those three. No. no. Oh, I mean, gosh. How, here's the weird thing. It's it's weird college football. It's like you know, Notre Dame is Notre Dame beat North Carolina. I someone I can't explain that. I'm trying to figure that one out right now. I'm looking at the score. I'm like, how the heck did that offense put up 45 points in Chapel Hill? I mean, you got to remember Notre Dame still has a top. 15 recruiting class for the last whatever years so yeah they've got talented guys they've got talented guys they don't have a good offense and they have a new coaching scheme i mean like it's a weird spot to be i feel like marcus freeman needs a little more time i like him as a guy so i mean he definitely needs he definitely needs more time i think i think even when you need more time there is definitely still a level of there there's there there's a there's a you know we know this is Michigan fans, man. We've been there with Hoke and Rich Rod. We did it. Uh, there, there's still a level of, you know, there's a difference between rebuilding at eight and four and seven and five as opposed to six and six and five and seven. That's a different rebuild. Yeah, you got to remember he also inherited a New Year's Six team for Brian Kelly. It's not like the cupboard was. Yeah, and Kelly was still there. That team probably gets a top five ranking to start the year. Well, didn't they get a top five ranking? Yeah. What were they when they played Ohio State? They were like sixth, I think, or something okay, like that. So crazy. Obviously, everyone still thought they'd be good. pretty good. We we all thought that. Yeah. So okay. it's it's very interesting. Um all I, right, I definitely we... feel for your for both of your parents or your 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 fathers. Yeah, yeah. Which uh I actually got dinner with my dad yesterday and I asked if we were allowed to talk about college football. He said no. <laughs> <laughs> he said no college football talk at, at, at dinner. Um, so, All right, why don't we take a look at some conferences? Let's see it. how we think things might shape up. I mean, we can skip the Big Ten. We already kind of talked about the Big Ten West. Everybody knows about the game coming Thanksgiving weekend. That will decide everything. Can we just get back-to-back Michigan-Ohio State games? Can we just throw the Big Ten West to the, to the wind and let Ohio State and Michigan play in Indy? Yeah, just I mean, what do the people want? That's what the people want. Um, so let, why don't we talk about the Big Twelve, and then we'll talk about the SEC, and then we can make some picks for the playoff. I like Love it. it. All right. Anybody have some hot takes on the Big Twelve? The way it sits right now, you have two teams at the top at three and O. That's TCU, who I think probably <laughs> looks the best in the conference. And then you have three and O Kansas State. Sitting behind them at three and one in conference is Texas, and then at two and one you have Oklahoma State after that loss to TCU, and Kansas after their loss sits at two and two. Right. 
So your your top couple teams there are looking like TCU, Kansas State, Texas. Um, but boy, is the Big Twelve going to be a weird one down the stretch? Yeah, it's going to be a weird one. I I think Texas is probably with a healthy Quinn Ewers the best team in the Big Twelve. Um, I don't know, you know, without looking at everyone's schedules in depth, what that's going to play out to. Um, but TCU, I mean, it, they're they're a fun team to watch. They don't have the Gary Patterson defense of you know five years ago. But when you put up forty points a game, it's going to be tough to beat them. I'm not sure if uh, you know any other school could really hang with them uh, consistently. So, it, I, I mean, this 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 whole conference is just and it's at any given Saturday type of thing, right? You have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. It'll just be kind of fun. I, I don't think any of them will uh, impact many of the New Year's sixes when it's all said and done in too drastic a fashion. Outside yeah. of someone going to Fiesta Bowl, I think the Big Twelve, like most most years is going to cannibalize itself a little bit just by being a pretty dang good conference this year and having teams that can beat anybody on any day. Uh, TCU uh, next week, it's Kansas state and a big one. They uh, TCU is home. Um, Their roadies is up a little bit until the beginning of November when they go on the road to Texas. I mean, that'll be awesome. That would be Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, I kind of look at this as I look at all first, first impression is Iowa state at three and four overall happens to be and four in the big 12. And I think that speaks to the depth of the conference here. I mean, there really aren't, you know, they don't have to me, they're, they're kind of like the spread of this conference is just smushed. You don't have those elite, none of these teams, even TCU, I think we can all agree is not a top six team in the country. No. I don't don't think they're at Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson status. They're probably at that next tier down just after that. Um, But also, what other conference can say the the team in last is Iowa State? I mean, I don't think Iowa State is a terrible team. I think they can get people, you know? No. Like, playing at Iowa State is, is a is a challenge for any team. So I think it just shows that they're, they're kind of stacked up in the middle, but I only think there's four real teams that a shot here. That's TCU, Kansas state, Texas, Oklahoma state. I think Kansas had a great run. I don't think they can, I don't think they can do it. Um, and then I don't, I don't look at like Texas tech um, either. And then Oklahoma already has three losses. So I think they're, they're all out. Yeah. My pick for this conference at the moment is going to be TCU. I think they shape up the best down the stretch. I think they're, right there with Texas with the healthy Ewers as the best team. And I think Texas's schedule just looks a lot more daunting. Texas goes on the road to Oklahoma State, on the road to Kansas State, and then hosts TCU. That is about as tough of a three-game stretch as you'll find in the Big 12 this year. And then they get to chase that with going on the road to Kansas, who we all know has been pretty feisty this year. Yeah, I just thoroughly love watching Big 12 football because it's it's offensive and, it, as we've all said, anything can happen in this conference. So it, it's definitely been a fun one. I just don't think they're going to have too much of a major impact on the, the bigger games of college football going forward. All right, speaking of the bigger games of college football going forward, let's take a look at the SEC, which will certainly play a role in the playoff conversation. Um, so in the East – we have Georgia sitting at the top with Tennessee. Georgia's now 4-0 and in conference, Tennessee 3-0. and I don't think that any of that really matters. They play each other this season, which will decide things. Kentucky sits squarely behind a 2-2, two and two, and I don't think, at least as things sit right now, has much of a shot to play a role. 
over in the West. Um, Ole Miss, like you said, Ryan sits atop right now at three and zero. Alabama now three and one, and LSU sitting at like a really meaningless three and one as it feels. Um, feels like Alabama and Ole Miss are going to decide that. Uh, so, Kev, Ryan, where do you guys think the SEC goes from here? How do you think that one shapes up? Go ahead, Kev. I'll, yeah, I'll uh, yeah, just because I'll I'll challenge Pat's first statement. I think LSU can make some noise. I I think that, um, I think LSU has upset potential. Is is Bama LSU? Where, where's that played this year? Bama LSU. Is That's at in LSU. yeah in in Baton Rouge. So who knows? I man, I just feel like but big game, Brian Kelly. Just throwing that one out there. Too. Yeah, but it, I, I, I guess I just I feel like you know people like that'll be a night game. Oh yeah, LSU. Oh, it, it'll be the three thirty on CBS, right? I don't know. I think don't they don't doesn't uh in Baton Rouge don't they try to they try to move those to night ones? I think a lot. Mm. We'll see. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep. They'll, they'll try to prime time it in some way. Um, I think that as it all shakes out, Bama will probably come out on top. Um, I'm just not ready to put, you know, Bama's the Patriots, and I'm just not ready to put, you know, a knife through their heart yet until until I truly see it, until they lose three games in a year or something. I think Bama will probably do it. My biggest concern with them is are the wide receivers. It just seems like they don't have the playmakers this year. Like, they don't have – Ja'Cory Brooks is not – he's not Jameson Williams. He's not Devonta Smith. He's just not. Um, when I look at the East uh, – <sighs> I yeah. think it's going to be Georgia just because I think comes – I only think that – I think that the West has really – I think the West has three teams that could win it. I really do. I can see a scenario in which LSU beats Bama, but I think LSU is a little inconsistent, so they could drop another game to a random team. So I think it will probably be Bama. Mississippi State – I mean, Mississippi, Old Miss can make some noise. Um, I'm not sure they haven't really played anyone yet, so we'll see. But I think it will probably be Bama. And then I think out of the East, just because they're playing at home, I got to give Georgia the edge over Tennessee with the – you know, home game. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Alabama, as I said earlier, will win the West. I think they'll they'll go into Oxford. They'll they'll take that one. I, I like LSU. I, I you know they're they're going to put up a fight, but their schedule's pretty daunting, right? They're they got Ole Miss, then Alabama, then they're at Arkansas, which I I don't know what to make. Very surprised the way they've kind of fallen off, and then they finish the year at AM, which that one we're going to see how much Jimbo play. We're going to see how much Jimbo Fisher's players love him. <laughs> and if they want him back, because I think that's what is, is going to be decided on, on the outcome of that game if Jimbo comes back. Um, but, I, you know, Tennessee Georgia is going to be an, an unbelievable game. I just think until you knock off the king, uh, you know, I got to side with with uh, with Georgia. Um, you know, their their defense is still unbelievable. You know, they're loaded for bear with a ton of, of NFL talent across the board. Uh, still have great running backs, those tight ends. Um yeah, I, I think this is gonna be Georgia Bama again um, in in the SC title game, and I you know I just I, I like Georgia a lot. They're just complete, and, and they just win pretty big. I, I think that that game at Missouri was a little wake up for them. I think I think they needed that. All right, I'll put my two cents in. I mean, it seems like there's two games that's really going to decide the SEC this year, and that's going to be Ole Miss Bama down the stretch, and then Georgia Tennessee. I think those both decide each of their respective divisions. And I will be the contrarian, and I think Tennessee probably is going to win the East, and I, I think that's strictly going on the fact that Tennessee gets Georgia at home. I think they have everything going for them this year. They get the game 
located in the right city. Um, and that'll be for basically everything Tennessee has had to play for in the last 15 years. So um, that'll be a massive game for them. I think they play up to it. So let me ask you this, Pat, because I hadn't thought about this. You're what talking about, about the SEC championship game then? What, yeah, what about this? What about Bama runs the table, Tennessee beats Georgia. But loses to Bama? Yeah. And they have their one and one against Bama. I think in that situation, we've never really seen that situation play out. Um, at least I don't think where you have a team like an eleven and one Georgia, just sitting at home, a eleven and one Tennessee, uh, who's one and one against Bama, and a Bama SEC champion who has one loss to Tennessee. I Bama, think Bama's... Georgia's at home, right? In that scenario, I think they have to be. What do you mean? I think Georgia. Yeah, is... yeah. I, I don't. I don't think you could reward yeah, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia for not home. playing that game. Yeah, after Georgia potentially losing home. to Tennessee. Though we have seen this happen in college football a lot of times, the team gets punished for losing the conference championship game. We've seen it a lot more commonly in the bowls that have the right to select teams. Those teams getting spurned for like the other New Year's Six Bowls. Yeah. Um, so it's not unheard of. But yeah, I think Georgia's the team left hanging there. Um, Tennessee and Bama probably both make the playoff. And the the, t- the team that probably is left holding the bag there is the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game. If they run the table as well and are sitting at 11-1, I just think the SEC, if those three teams continue to play like they are this year, that's just going to be in a, a really attractive conference. And I think they probably get the second team in over the Big Ten. Let me ask you – let me take it one step further. Can the SEC get three teams in? They need help. Um, they, they would need, need Clemson to, to lose in – in a bad way, I think. Yeah, they need either an ACC team to drop out, um, which would be Clemson losing. And then I think they might even need a little more help. I think they need, um, for the for the committee to put three SEC teams in, I think it needs to be pretty clear that all three deserve over the other people. Yeah. So I could see, I think it's more likely that you end up with two SEC, two Big Ten, or if like TCU is still hanging around, maybe TCU goes. But man, three teams from one conference when you have somebody like an eleven and one Michigan sitting around there, that just feels a little heavy handed towards the SEC. I mean, this is gonna get really interesting, right? I mean, there's a very good chance Michigan or Ohio State go into that game both undefeated. So then one team has a loss, the other's undefeated going into the Big Ten title game. You guys just laid out this scenario in the SEC. We just talked about Clemson. Um, I mean we thought maybe it was controversial last year with Cincinnati, Notre Dame. This year, the talking heads are—it's going to be crazy, right? Like the 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 scenarios are endless. I mean, like every year, we should say we probably won't end up needing to talk about any of these scenarios because this often works itself out with teams losing. It is college football, but the way, like, if those five teams take care of business, there's going to be some tricky eleven and one teams who didn't play in a conference championship game who you got to try and decide between. What would your guys' thoughts on a potential 11-1 USC team with their lone loss being at Utah at night by a point? I mean, you got to talk about it. I mean, that is a really good resume, and I think they're out just because they're the Pac-12. I mean, you got to see how that conference championship weekend looks, like how well they play in their conference championship game. They obviously have to win it. Um, but I feel like that uh, you get into the little like looky-feely type of games at that point, but strictly on strength of conferences, this is a year where the SEC might get two in over the Pac-12. All right. Well, I think this is a good time to totally circle up and talk Pac-12, right? Um, Guys, USC – or not USC, UCLA is still undefeated. 
Oregon is doing Oregon things now. They're they're in the top ten. Um, I mean, there's some there's some nice talent at the top of the Pac-12. UCLA, Oregon, SC, Utah, the Beavers, Washington's obviously, you know, they're kind of licking some wounds. And then, I mean, you have just absolute garbage in the bottom with Colorado, California, Arizona State, Washington State, Arizona, and Stanford. Yeah, the top half of this conference is good and the bottom half is absolute trash. Uh, but uh, one of the biggest takeaways with this conference this year has to be what a win for the Big Ten stealing USC and UCLA away. Both of those teams look great this year. I think USC, um, Utah, and UCLA will probably be the three names that have a chance at the title this year, in my opinion. No Oregon? No Oregon. I don't believe in Oregon. Why? I don't know. I just don't see Oregon winning those big games down the stretch. They're a little inconsistent in the games I've watched, albeit I haven't watched um, tons and tons of Oregon this year. I obviously got the big ones. Well, here, Um, I mean, Pat, it's going to figure itself out next week. They play – they get UCLA at home. So you got nine versus ten next week. They're at Cal, dub, at Colorado, dub, versus Washington. Rivalry game, but it's in Autzen. That's a dub. Versus Utah. I think Utah will sm- play some smash mouth football against them and beat them. And then you got a rivalry against, against the Beavers in Corvallis. Yeah, Oregon's schedule shapes up pretty nicely. Um, I think that that second to last week is where they get got. I agree. Do you think they get past you? Do you think they get past the Bruins? Um, at home? That's a tough game. UCLA they coming off a bye. They get them at home. I don't think. UCLA, that's a tough game for UCLA. I think Oregon probably wins that. I like it. I there's 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 a ton of fun to be had, boys. This is going to be an 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 amazing six week stretch. Should we do? Let's do it. We're now seven weeks in. Let's make some picks for the playoffs. See how we do. Yeah, let's do playoffs and let's do a little Heisman. Then we then we can call it. I think that's good. All right, my playoff picks. Um, so number one, I think Clemson probably just skates through the rest of their season. I don't think they'll be, uh, the number one seed, but I think that they have the easiest and most straightforward path to the playoffs. So I think they're in, um, I'll go in the SEC mess. I think I'll go Tennessee beating Georgia in that big game out, um, on that side. And then I think Bama gets Tennessee in the rematch. It's tough to beat Bama twice in one year. Um, so Bama goes, that puts uh, Tennessee um, with a loss. I'll put Tennessee in as well with that one-and-one record against Bama. And then um, Ohio State, um, since they get to host the game at home this year, I will um, do the unbiased thing and put them in. I think that leaves Michigan holding the bag around the five or six slot. So who are your four? My four, Clemson. Alabama, Tennessee, Ohio State. Okay. Uh, I will go. Uh, I think it's going to be Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan. I think that, um, you know, I think I'm a pretty pessimistic Michigan fan, but the, you know, the most reproducible thing in college football is line play. And I think our line play just looks phenomenal right now. I think that us and Ohio State could easily be a, a pick em. I'll probably give them a little bit of an edge because they're playing at home. And I, you know, Michigan's weak schedule might hurt them, but I do see a scenario in which we lose on a last second field goal 
in Columbus and you say, um, you know, you got to give Michigan a, a shot. So that's how I, that's what I'll go with. I think it's a very foreseeable situation. I think your scenario hinges on Georgia taking care of business in the SEC and kind of train rolling the Tennessee and Alabama teams that are looking for those last spots. But if they take care of that, Michigan or Ohio State, whoever loses that game, is going to have one of the most attractive resumes in the country for that so, last spot. Yep. So the, the very quick and short of how I think that probably happens is that I think this Alabama team is a little bit down from what it was. I don't think that there are – you know, I think Tennessee is a really good team. I think eventually there's going to have to be some fatigue there. I think they're going to lose to Georgia, and I think they might drop one other one that's just like a – when you're a new team that hasn't been that good for a while and obviously you have this amazing season, you're just prone for a letdown. I just feel like I have this bad feeling. I love Tennessee. I'm excited for their fans. I had like this feeling of like a letdown spot where they end up probably with two losses. Um and then I think that Georgia takes care of business. Georgia gets Bama again. So they're both two losses. They're out. I think SEC will probably get one in. And then I think that they're, the uh, Big 12 will just be like a round robin of we each give each other a loss. And I guess the other question to ask you would be, you think the Pac-12 just doesn't line up with um, a Michigan or Ohio State one loss resume? I just don't. I think that the um, I think that the only surefire team that would get in right now is UCLA running the table. I don't think that will probably happen. Um, and then I think that you know, right now a one loss USC and a one one loss Michigan. If the loss is close at Ohio State, I think it probably goes to Michigan. All right, Ryan, what do you got? All right, well, first off, I'm looking at the Clemson schedule, and I don't want anyone to dog Michigan for their schedule anymore after <laughs> yeah. thing. I'm just going to throw that one out there. So, I for the sake of football, like college football, I don't know. I just, I'm tired of Clemson. I don't want them to be in. So, I'm going to go a little bit different route. I think Georgia beats Tennessee in Athens. Obviously, goes to the SEC title game. Um, I think they play Alabama, and I think they beat Alabama. This is, this is good, right? It takes Alabama out of the playoff. But I think Tennessee will be your number four. So you have Georgia at one, Tennessee at four. I I, I love Michigan, um, obviously. But guys, with C.J. Stroud and that offense is doing, I don't know if Michigan has the DBs to to contain those guys. I think Ohio State will take care of business in the shoe probably by ten points. I could see shades shades of two thousand six. I got Ohio State at number two, um, and then I, there's something about. Between like Michigan, UCLA, I, I, I weirdly like UCLA, and I think there's some LA sex appeal. I'm gonna say that's the weird school that gets in this year is an undefeated UCLA team. I like it. Leaving right. Michigan, Clemson, and Alabama out of it. I just think there needs to be some kind of change, and I think for some reason, UCLA, DTR, those running backs, they, they might be able to actually do it. All right, for a minute, let's just fantasize a little bit about how sexy playoff expansion will be once we finally get it. Talk about a banger of a lineup, including Michigan, Ohio State, Tennessee, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, TCU, teams like that all in the mix, UCLA, USC. Like This would be a great year to just enjoy 8 or 12 or where, what do they land on? 12 teams? 12 teams. Man, so the Heisman Trophy. Heisman Trophy. The odds are out there. Let's just make them known. 
CJ Stroud remains up top of the pyramid, sitting at pretty even odds to win the Heisman. Second now would be Hendon Hooker, who you can get at plus 500. And then I'm sure we'll talk about all the guys that round out the list. Um, Kevin, Ryan, you guys got a pick at this point through the season that you like? Do I get caught up in just this past weekend, or do I look at the entire season? That's where my head's at. But it's it's C.J. Stroud. He's going to finish the year with 45-plus touchdowns, a trillion yards. Um, you know, I just hit on how containing those wide receivers is going to be really tough. Uh, it, it'll be C.J. Stroud. Probably an undefeated Ohio State team. He's the quarterback with gaudy numbers. That's pretty easy. I think, And obviously Vegas agrees. I think I'll agree with you on that one. I think if Ohio State runs the table, the guy is going to be C.J. Stroud. Um, it's, I think the only way he loses his stranglehold on that is if Hooker puts up just an absolute monstrous second half of the season and Tennessee accomplishes everything they want to. Then you can probably talk about the two of them. Or if Ohio State kind of fumbles down the, down the road of this season and it would have to be a pretty substantial loss to Michigan um, to shake up – CJ from the top, I think. Um, I guess I'll take a little bit of a different route. To me, I am still surprised CJ Stroud is, you know, basically even money. Um, I think that they that to me clearly says that they agree. They think Tennessee's going to lose to Georgia. We know this is it's supposed to be an individual award, but it's not. It's almost always given to the. Um, kind of the leader or the best player on the best team um, or close to it where the team finishes matters a lot is I guess the easiest way to say it. Yeah. I think, listen, I think Tennessee and Ohio state both going to feed. I think it goes to hooker. I mean, how can you just not say that like this season is CJ Stroud to me is almost like a body of work award. He was great last season. He's great this season. Ohio state's one of four teams that hasn't played anyone yet in the AP top 25. So they haven't played anybody yet. Um, when, Hey, they played number six, Notre Dame. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, to me, Hendon hooker and hold up just while we say that they did not look great against Notre Dame and Notre Dame is now definitively very bad. Yeah. I mean, so I just think, I think right now there's one player to me who already has the season and the Heisman moment and that's hooker. He has the moment, you know, he did it. He slayed the dragon. They he also did it in October. Well, and that's the Heisman's one in November. Heisman is one in November. I'm totally, I'm totally with you. But he I has just, to do it again. You, the thing that bodes well for CJ Stroud, his big games are all in front of him. He has the opportunity. You know what I mean? A week and a half or two weeks before the Heisman, just to to have his big performance. So, I think. Um, I think if I think if Tennessee wins the SEC, Hooker wins Heisman. Boys, I, I will say this though: um, I don't know if anyone's been a bigger fan of another player than Reggie Bush and Blake Corum. If for some reason Michigan can go into the shoe and win for the first time since what two thousand, does does Blake break the mold of QBs winning the Heisman? I think Blake has a real chance. I think that I think Corum does have a real shot at this. I had to do my um, fanboy part here. Sorry. I, I, I think that, you know, I saw the stat recently that look at the last three running backs that won the Heisman um, in their numbers, and Quorum's a little bit ahead of, ahead of them at this point. I will give them. I pride myself not being a biased Michigan fan. 
a bunch of those yards and touchdowns are obviously against an inferior competition. However, he clearly has shown he can play well against the, uh, against the good ones. I think that in those years, I would have to look back. And to me, when a running back wins, it's more about there's probably not a slam dunk quarterback that year. And this year, it feels like Shroud and Hooker are pretty good, you know, odds to win it. The other thing I would just quickly add is, to me, Bryce Young still has pretty good odds. He's not going to win. Like, either Bryce Young is not – you have to do better than you did the first season to win it twice. I don't – I genuinely don't see a scenario where Bryce Young wins. I think Bryce Young at this point would be a terrible bet. Um, to to settle in on what you were talking about, Kev, Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry were the last two running backs to win the Heisman, I believe. Mm-hmm. Who were the runner-ups? Um, Derrick Henry in 2015, Mark Ingram in 2009. Uh, the way their stats – Played up through seven games compared to Blake Corum this year. Blake Corum right there in carries has 146. Henry had 142. Ingram had 135. Blake right there in terms of yards, 901. Henry had 80, er, 881. And Ingram had 905. And then Blake's in the lead in touchdowns. Has 13 touchdowns to Henry's 12 and Ingram's 8. So, I mean, Blake has the best stats through seven games. Do you have the runners up for those years? Because I mean, as, as Kevin alluded to, right? It all depends on there not being an elite quarterback. I do not. I have, um, let's see, two thousand nine, fifteen. So twenty fifteen, Derrick Henry came in first. Christian McCaffrey came in second. Ooh, right, right, right. Uh, Deshaun Watson came in third, and I think this was um, this was not like his was. This may not have been like Deshaun Watson's best year. He did not. He had a great college career, but he did not have one tremendous over-the-top year. Fourth was actually Baker Mayfield. And fifth was Keenan Reynolds from Navy. So, I mean, it just – it wasn't a great um, – Not a great year. It wasn't a great year, you know. And I think that um, that's that, – that just speaks to kind of when, when the running backs do win. Yep, and going back to 2009, it was a similar situation when a running back won. Second was uh, Toby Gerhardt behind Ingram. Um, and then third and fourth rounded out that year. I'm sure you guys remember that was the Colt McCoy and Indomitian Sioux year. Yeah, so it's it seems to be, the, um, you know, running backs get it with, the, with kind of the stars aligning and a running back putting up a ton of great numbers with a team that has a good season and quarterbacks being down. That's that's the recipe for running back. Which is a shame for Corum because this has truly been a great season for him so far. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely a great season. I think that, um, again, I think that if Michigan beats Ohio State at Ohio State and Corum needs to have a couple of those 70-yarders, um, you know, crazy game-changing moments, I think he's got a shot. But I just think that right now, You've got, and I think his biggest threat again is Hendon Hooker. If if Tennessee runs the table like they are now, and starts to create the narrative that listen, this guy without his number one wideout, I, I I don't see how you don't give it to him. All right, here we we kind of talked about favorites, right? Based off what Vegas has right now, if you had to look at you know a dark horse, right? Maybe someone we're not talking about that creeps up into Heisman conversation. Who do you guys have? I go uh, Thompson Robinson from UCLA. I think the chances – like, he has had a – quietly had a very, very great season so far. Looks electric on the field. I think the scenario that you laid out, Ryan, where UCLA goes undefeated, 
makes the playoff, probably needs a little help from guys like Stroud or Hooker stumbling down the stretch. But I could see a scenario where he, I think his odds are like plus 2,000 right now, jumps into at least the top couple conversation if UCLA can uh, you know, have a great season down the stretch. I'll give you a real – you want Dark Horse? I'll go re- – I'll, I'll double those odds. <laughs> um, I think this is really crazy out there, but I would say Drake May. Um, you know, UNC is still 5-1. and one. Um, I don't know when they play Clemson, um, but in terms of numbers, uh, you know, Drake May has absolutely gaudy numbers. And if they somehow win the ACC or do do something like that, and I mean, I think he's got a shot. Really, really outside shot, but I think that's probably the person. If I look all the way down the odds, who's the last person I think has a legitimate chance to win with the longest odds is probably Drake May. All right, I'll give you one more right around May's odds. I feel like if you're a homer and you want to throw a bet in that like will not hit but has a chance, <laughs> I feel like you can still make an argument for Stetson Bennett. Obviously, he'll need some help in the SEC. You need Georgia needs to do their job down the stretch. But his side of the SEC, he's got a lot of games coming up where he can put up some video game numbers. And Georgia has in the past put up those video game numbers on teams. And if Georgia can escape the SEC this year with wins against Tennessee and then probably against Bama or Old Miss, and then I think you need Ohio State to lose and not be in the playoff conversation, then, you know, Bennett might be the most exciting quarterback on the list, and I think that always makes a little bit of noise. The mailman might deliver. Um, so I do like Drake May, not this year, but at some point in his career, Kev. I mean, he's he's so talented. I, I, would, I think him and J.J. McCarthy next year could be a really fun one-two punch after this uh, awesome QB class graduates. Uh, but my dark horse for this year, boys, just because he holds – he has everything in front of him, right? His team's still undefeated. It's Jackson Dart uh, for Ole Miss. Um, Hendon Hooker obviously threw all over against Alabama. Jackson Dart's going to have the same opportunity. And if he puts up those video game numbers against Alabama, he'll, as a, as a quarterback, be firmly firmly in the conversation. That's a good Ryan, with a guy who odds I can't even find. Yeah, I like. All right, I got him. I found him unlisted on some sites. Plus seven thousand. Plus seven thousand. Great value. Great value. Great value. Ryan with the darkest of horses. I like it. All right, boys. We got a lot of college football ahead of us. It sounds. All right. Uh, I will say then we will. uh, We will call it here, and we can reconvene for um, you know. Thursday night, Friday morning, uh, for some picks for the uh, and look at the uh, upcoming slate for next weekend. Guys, this was awesome. I I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, I think you know you guys are gonna put out some awesome content here. Whether I'm a guest or not, I can't wait to to listen to your guys' insight as we go forward. It's it's gonna be a fun fun six weeks here. You'll be back with us, Ryan. I have no doubt. All right. And with that, we'll conclude the first episode here. Thank you again, uh, Ryan, for coming on the show and for our sponsor, uh, Milwaukee Tour. Nothing but heavy duty. Nothing but heavy duty.